Hey guys, Ashley Greathouse here from Encounters with the Darkness. I am also a horror author that absolutely loves to catch people off guard. But here's a plot twist that I bet you didn't see coming, and that is I have utilized so many of the resources given to me by Colin at Colin Can Help. You should go and check him out. He does everything from amazing website designs all the way to giving you tips and tricks for your own marketing needs. So go on now, go check him out. What's going on, podcast? It is Colin of Colin Can Help, and this is another episode of Colin's Conversations. Today, I have Jillian Jones, the owner and founder of Supportive Divorce Solutions out of Rochester, New York. She tells us a little bit of uh, finance information, a little bit of information if you need a divorce, and uh, just some general positivity. So check it out. Perfect. So we are live, Collins Conversations. I have Jillian Jones with me. Um, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself more than just the name and give people a brief one-two of what it is that you do, Jillian. Thank you, Colin. Hi, everyone. My name is Jillian Jones. I am the founder of Supportive Divorce Solutions, where I advocate, educate, and empower women through divorce. So um, a lot of people don't know what a certified divorce financial analyst is, which I am. Um, I abbreviate it as CDFA. Um, a little bit of background. I'm a financial planner. And a few years ago, I saw in my financial planning practice, uh, working with a lot of women, and some of them were going through a divorce or they were recently divorced. Some people even divorced you know, a few decades ago. And what I saw was that they were not getting the financial advice that they needed in divorce. Even if some of them had you know, a financial person to help them out, uh, when divorce happens, a lot of the rules change for normal finances. So I found out that there was an accreditation to specialize in finances and divorce, which is a certified divorce financial analyst. And I said, I'm going to get that. I want this to be a part of my practice. I want people to feel like they are empowered to make informed decisions. And when I say informed decisions, I mean, they know what's going on. They understand the pros and cons of every situation. And when someone's going through divorce, of course, it's a really emotional time. Finances in itself is, you know, it, it's so complicated. It can be so complicated when you're trying to do it on your own. Couple that with the, one of the most emotional times in your life it's really, really, really hard. So um, I thought that I was just going to be probably working a little bit more with people that were going through divorce. And very, very early on, within a few months, I saw the need and the response of women that I was working with. So I started Supportive Divorce Solutions. And it has been the best journey over the past few years. I absolutely love all of my clients. Uh, they, a lot of times they come to me before the divorce has started. Um, the earlier, the better, I say, but it's never too late to get some advice and some help. And we may be talking about in the first meeting what type of divorce they should get based on their financial situation. Should they do mediation? Should they do collaborative law? 
should they do litigation, which is just, you know, the traditional attorney and att attorney doesn't mean you're going to go to court though. And I'm concentrating on the financial piece, but I also know because it's such an emotional time that they may need other professionals and I encourage other professionals and I have vetted professionals in many of the areas that I primarily serve so that if they don't have a therapist yet, I highly recommend that they see a therapist to deal with the emotional side. If they don't have an attorney yet, even if they're mediating, I say, you need to get an attorney. You need to have legal advice, at least some. Um, and if they need a mediator, there's mediators that I can recommend. There's a million other people that could be involved, real estate agents, property and casualty. And I'm going to help them out with all of those people as well. Um, but the most important part, the primary part of why I'm there is to uncover all of the financials, which are your assets, your debts, um, income. And once we get all of the facts, I'm able to put that together into a format that someone's going to understand. And we're going to be able to look at different scenarios. You know, you have to divide everything up, different scenarios that are going to benefit them in the future and what their needs and wants are. So I think of it as there's a million puzzle pieces, but there's many different ways to put the puzzle together. And based on conversations that I have with my clients about the short-term and long-term future for them, for their children, for their families, that's how I put the puzzle together. And most importantly, make sure that they understand it and it's what they truly want. So they're really making their own decisions. Um, and that's through some of the education that I give them. Gotcha. You, get, you gave me about 8 million things that we could dive right into out of that. I love it. Um, but let's start off with something that you probably don't talk about often. Um, you went and got the certification for the certified divorce financial analyst. Mm -hmm. Something tells me there's not that many financial analysts that take the time to go get that certification. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, can you give us a little bit more about what was the process like um, going to get that? How long of a process? Was it expensive? Um, those type of things. Sure. Absolutely. That's a great question. So I myself, being a financial planner, I didn't even know this accred accreditation existed. So that tells you quite a bit about the public certainly not knowing about certified divorce financial analysts. So um, the accreditation has been around for quite a few decades. We are governed by the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts. You do have to have prerequisites to become a certified divorce financial analyst. So for example, majority of us are financial planners or financial advisors. Technically, an accountant or an attorney could get the accreditation as well. So uh, you need at least three years of financial advising or financial planning underneath your belt to even take the courses. When I took the accreditation or when I wanted to get my accreditation, there were four courses. After each course, you had to pass an exam. The final course is really a case study where you're a couple case studies where you're putting all of your knowledge um, to use to test to see if you've been you know, able to retain everything and if you can do what you need to do in a real world situation. The cost, oh gosh, I don't remember it that well. Um, it was definitely over a thousand. I don't know if it was a few thousand. Um, all that information can be fine or found at the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts website. We do have um, ethics that we must follow um, and uh, codes of contact of codes of conduct, of course. Most importantly, every two years, you must have 15 
continuing education credits. And there's stipulations around that, um, such as it has to do with finances, it has to do with divorce. Um, there's some other nuances. So sometimes that can be challenging to make sure that you're getting your 15 continuing education credits every two years. I myself love learning, so it's not as hard for me because I actively, I always have more than I need. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's fairly easy for me, but I know for others it can be challenging. Where do you go for the, um, for the continual education? Do you go to like a local college or is that something put on just by the institution that kind of goes regionally? How do, how do those credits work? So they do have uh, webinars where you can obtain continuing education credits. That I would say is the easiest. However, you're only going to get about one at a time. Mm -hmm. So for a whole entire hour, hour and a half, you're going to get one credit. Those are normally hosted by very well-known professionals that are experts in their field. So ones that I've watched before and have been really great are some of the leading experts in the world, really, in the United States on how to do qualified domestic relationship orders, which is called a quadro. Usually a foreign language, once you get into divorce, you know what that means. <laughs> um, other ways to get them are by doing an in-person type course. It's not done at a college, but for example, um, Oh, here's a great example. So this year I went for the first time to our national conference, which was in Nashville, Tennessee. So it was just for CDFAs. It was a few days long and it was for learning and interacting with our peers and seeing, you know, the, the top notch of the different professions. You can obtain almost all of them that way. However, that is going to require some traveling depending on where you are, but that's a way to get most of them taken care of. Um, you know, within a few days and have that in-person interaction, which I love. Uh, but because there's not enough of us right now, I guess you could say, there's not going to be a ton of in-person continuing education courses. Gotcha. And you mentioned there's not enough of you guys. And you also mentioned that you mostly help women. What about the field? Are there men doing it as well? Is it predominantly women that are um, doing what you do? So there's some very, so very, um, eye-opening statistics. The financial industry, I believe, is one of the most studied financial industries um, for where clients come from, where professionals come from, so on and so forth. So in the financial industry in general, not even 20% of financial advisors and financial planners are women. It's been stagnant for the past 20 years with no movement, unfortunately. However, when you dig down into the CDFA profession, it's around 60 um, trending sometimes up to 70% of us as CDFAs are women. Now, why is that? I believe one of the reasons might be because women are more mm, prone to pick up an accreditation, a, a profession that's, uh, and they're more comfortable with something that's very emotional. In terms of the clients that I serve, 95% right now are women. I do have male clients. I honestly just don't get men that call and want advice. Another interesting statistic that I found just with my practice, which has only been around for a few years, so, you know, there's only so many numbers to work with here, is, um, you know, I always do a 20-minute complimentary phone call before we do anything further. You know, do you need me? Do you want me? And can I help you? It goes both mm -hmm. ways. So out of the men that take advantage of that 20-minute complimentary phone call, about 
trending right now, 50% go on to the next step. And that may just be a consultation. Out of women that do a phone call, 95% go on to the next step. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. And and your personal, I mean, I'm sure there's probably not any like actual studies and stats on this, but what do you think, do you think that maybe men just have more financial guidance elsewhere that they're not coming to you over the women or is what do you think swaying those numbers so much? The only thing that I can make sense of, which is based on the financial industry overall, this, this is pretty much, you know, these are facts of the financial industry and I can't give you any specific quotes, but financial industry overall, uh, women look for advice over men at usually a three to one ratio. So women want professionals helping them and they will go and seek that or when they get, uh, put together with somebody that fits well, they're, they're much more apt to take the next step and start getting that advice. So that's what I'm seeing with my practice. Um, so yeah, basically at a three to one ratio, women are going to be seeking and using professionals. Gotcha. And you're based out of upstate New York. Are all of your clients from that area? Or do you take clients nationally, regionally? How, how do you, um, how wide is your client net? So majority of my clients are in the Rochester, New York area. Uh, very close is Buffalo, New York, and then the Southern tier. So um, I would say basically Western and Central New York. I do have clients that are outside of New York and I have had clients that are outside of New York. I can serve anyone in any of the 50 states. My accreditation covers that. Um, I've had a few cases outside of New York over the past few years. However, I really do prefer to see people in person, but it's 2019. <laughs> so, I mean, I can see you. I can't feel quite the same connection if we were in person, right. but I can definitely, I work by picking up on people's, you know, expressions and their body language. And I think that's really important when we're dealing with such an emotional time. And I also want to be able to use charts and draw pictures to explain concepts. So yes, I serve people outside of New York state. Uh, every state is governed. Um, the, the divorce is governed by their state law. So it can be different from state to state. And even though I'm never giving legal advice because I'm not an attorney, if I go from New York state to California, for example, there's a lot, lot, lot of differences. So every once in a while, if it's a state that's particularly different, mm -hmm. even though I'd be able to serve that client, I'm going to recommend one of my colleagues for them to look at. And if they make the determination, they still want to work with me. Great. But sometimes it's better for someone who specializes in a state that's quite different to do the work. Gotcha. And uh, you kind of touched on uh, a lot of the conversations I always have. I kind of I'm a nerd in the like I like technology, but I hate to read books type thing. And uh -huh. you mentioned that uh, it's not the same being, and I totally agree with you. Um, one of the podcasts we did, we actually drove up to Rochester, New York, to go to talk to Twisted Willow Fabrications, which was one of those where, like, I knew Doug wasn't going to be the type of person that he was going to really get into it on the computer. You know, uh -huh. I figured it'd be like a 15, 20 minute thing if we did it on the computer, and it just wouldn't have gone well. But we went up there and ended up, I still haven't published all of it. I got like six hours of footage that day. Um, and within going up there, we learned about garbage plates. Where's okay. the best garbage plate up there? Where's my favorite? Where's your favorite? Uh, Nick Tahoe's. 
Nick Tahoe's. I think that was recommended by a couple other people up there yes. too. I haven't had one in so long though. Now, um, many, many, many moons ago when I first uh, started living in Rochester, I'm not originally from Rochester. I've been there for a little over, oh gosh, maybe 12 or 13 years now. Um, I would have them quite often in, in my early 20s right out of college when I took my first job in Rochester. Nice. Yeah, so, yes, many, many times over the weekends. <laughs> Where are you originally from? I'm originally two hours south of Rochester in a tiny town. I think it's technically it's technically a city. Olean, New York, which is where St. Bonaventure University is. That's how people, you know, usually make the connection. Gotcha. And uh, keep it on that food topic. Where's the best buffalo wing in that area? Oh, gosh. Buffalo wings. <sighs> when we go up there, I personally say it's the original location of the anchor, but I'm always open to new buffalo wing places. So I've heard Duff's is really good. Um, I don't eat buffalo wings. Well, I eat boneless wings, but anything with a bone in it, I don't eat. It's like this thing I have. <laughs> I guess that's okay. More for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do know where the best pizza in Buffalo is. Where's the best pizza in Buffalo? Jay's Artisan. Jay's Artisan. It's true Neapolitan pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely have to check that out. We, we tend to get up to the Buffalo area quite a bit to go to like Niagara Falls or, you know, just see, see the random sites. We got to go back and see the Twisted Willow puppies, though. They, they got new puppies up there. I've, I've wasted so much time online looking at all the new husky puppies they have. You can <laughs> never waste time when you're looking at puppies. I mean, I do it for several hours a week. I'm a huge animal advocate. Um, especially for rescuing and rehabilitating animals. Um, I have a rescue dog myself. Sydney, so, right? Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about that and, and give back in many ways. What type of uh, rescue? Sydney is the name, isn't it? Yeah, Sid. Um, so I've had him for seven years. His birthday's coming up. He's going to be nine years old. He's from Pity Love Rescue based out of Rochester, New York. Nice. I've, we've got two rescue dogs, one uh, from a shelter here and then another that we found while backpacking about two years ago. Oh, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we were down in southern Ohio backpacking and uh, we went to the car to grab something. And this couple that was about our age was like, hey, is this your dog? This little white and brown dog, just dirty, mangy. We're like, oh, no, but he's pretty cute. Maybe he could be. And then he ended up following me, uh, my wife and our dog for about six miles of trail. And at that point, we're like, this is what we do is walk around trails. And if he could stick with us, maybe he is ours. And uh, we didn't think that through too much, being that we had hotel reservations in uh, uh, West Virginia that night. So, you know, we, he did great on the trail, does not do great in the cars. We learned that he does not do great in baths, but he's still with us. So. Oh, good. One of those, I mean, I, I fully understand the people that want like a Great Dane and they go get a Great Dane, but rescues are healthier. They last longer. They're better dogs. They do. They do. I love my Bubba's. He's my fur baby. And he had his first time in a hotel on our way down to Savannah, which we're at right now in West Virginia. Nice. So that, that, it went pretty well. He was good. Nice. Um, let's move a little bit um, off of divorce for a second. As a financial analyst, you've been doing that for quite a bit of time. Um, what are, let's say, two or three just basic financial concepts that people just don't think about or don't use enough in their daily financial lives? Uh, so first one that uh, comes to mind that I go over with several of my clients is how they treat debt. So with debt, there's what I call good debt and bad debt. Most people have programmed into their minds because this is what they're taught. This is what they know over decades. This is what is oftentimes 
you know, talked about um, through mass media, because that's how we learn these days is mass media. Pay down debt, pay down debt, pay it down, pay it down as fast as possible. Never have debt. Now, that really doesn't happen. Usually once one debt is gone, another debt is already occurring. So the concept that I like to get across to people, and I'm just going to put it simply, um, it can get more complicated than this, but that's why you have a financial planner do a plan for you. So you pay it down efficiently and as quickly as possible and save money in the long run. If you're paying down a debt that is, let's say, 4%. So a lot of people, they put extra payments towards their home. And homes usually have a fairly good interest rate these days. So using 4% as the example, let's say that they're putting an extra $300 a month towards that principal. Instead of putting money in their 401k or their IRA, their retirement account. So if they have a retirement account, which, you know, earns on average, let's say they're a little younger, earns on average 9%. So instead of putting money into the account that's growing by an average of 9%, they're paying down a debt that is 4%. Mm -hmm. The net effect is 5%. So you're losing the time value of money by 4%. Also, you can write off interest on a lot of your healthy debts. So interest on your home, you can write off. College loans, you can write off. Now, college loans, they vary. You know, if your college loan is 9% and, um, you know, your average retirement account is going to earn 9%, okay, you know, that'd be, we talk about that. But it's not always good to just pay down debt, pay down debt. And another example of that, because there's so much college debt, and um, I do seminars and workshops that involve this topic, is let's say we have Jack and we have Jill. And Jack starts saving money into his 401k and just doing the minimum payments on his college loans. And Jill is just focused on paying down her debt. She's not putting anything into her retirement accounts. Over 10 years, Jack still has $20,000 worth of college debt, but he has quite a bit in his 401k. Jill no longer has college debt and she's just starting out in her 401k. At any time, Jack could become Jill, but Jill can't become Jack. So there's number one. The second part of it is time value of money. The most important part with saving for retirement is how much time you have. So if you just think you're going to double what you, you know, would be saving, it's still not going to be even close to how much money you'd have at the end of the day when you retire at age 65 or whatever it may be because the interest compounds on itself. And there's some simple calculators that I use. If I had a whiteboard, I'd do it for you. That's <laughs> right. I'll, I'll have to take your Jack and Jill example and make like a little animated whiteboard or something out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So in my seminars, I have something that's kind of already already done up with that in a PowerPoint, but I, I don't think my Airbnb guests would um, like me drawing on the bedroom walls right now, so I won't do that. <laughs> I mean, that's a very, very nice of you. I mean, I'm sure that's happened to them before with not financial advice that they had to clean up, right? You know, maybe if they need it, they'd, they'd appreciate it, but probably not. <laughs> Looks maybe, like they're doing pretty well. <laughs> maybe you could just trade financial advice for, for a room. Like, hey, let me just make you a quick plan. I can stay here all week. We'll call it a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned that uh, compounded interest and everything else. But before that, you were talking about uh, student loan debt very briefly. That's a big topic in today's 
um, national news and all that other stuff. Um, as a financial planner, what are your thoughts of these plans that people have to just eliminate and forgive all the previous debts and things like that? Um, where do you fall on that? Well, um, I don't think it really has anything to do with me being a financial planner. It's more of a, a personal viewpoint. Um, as far as I go with my personal viewpoint on it, if we were to eliminate all of the debt that's owed, I think that would also set a prerequisite for whether people are getting free education or not, or extremely low, low cost education. And well, I absolutely want everyone to be able to have the education that they need and they deserve. It's, it's really hard for me to pick a side um, because the more people that have a college education or if it's treated like high school, if it's treated like high school, I don't think that your degree means as much anymore then. Mm -hmm. Basically meaning it already feels like a college degree today is like what a high school degree was. So a college degree is not going to get you very far. Now you need your MBA, mm -hmm. um, which I have and I paid for myself. Um, and yeah, it takes time to pay off that debt. And maybe people need to look at it more, in my opinion, from you don't need to go to a college that's $50,000 a year. I didn't. That was my own personal choice. I went to SUNY Geneseo and I was a New York State resident. So the bill wasn't as big. And more importantly, we don't know what we want to be when we grow up. So we're getting these bills that are larger than mortgages for something we may never use. I think it needs to start a lot earlier with students and they need to get a feel for what they'd like to do. There's so many things that we're being taught in schools that we don't end up using and so many things that we do need. What's a credit card? How does it work? Uh, we weren't told that in high school. And I don't think we still are. Um, there's so much basic knowledge that people don't know that I teach them as a financial planner, whether they're 40, 50 or 60. Why weren't they ever taught that in high school? Why are we still not taught that? Just mm -hmm. um, life learning skills. And if they say, oh, well, that's the parent's job. Well, if the parents never learned it because we still haven't started it, <laughs> then... You know, it didn't right. make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I think I kind of fall on the same token of view. And maybe because our similar, I mean, our, our experiences are different, but the way that we went about school sounds kind of the same. Um, I didn't want to go to school. I'm a self-learner. And I, like you said, I didn't really see the point of going to school because I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. Where nowadays you go on uh, YouTube, there's nothing you can't teach yourself on YouTube, Google. Go down the rabbit hole a little bit, you learn it all. Where I went to community right. college, you know, it was a couple thousand dollars a semester, paid it all off, never even filled out a financial aid form because I knew that I could afford that opposed to going to, you know, Ohio State for 40000 a year to fill math. I filled math like eight times in community college. You know how much money I would have spent if I went to a four-year school and failed math eight times? I'd be right. bankrupt and be paying forever because I was an idiot in algebra. It just didn't make sense to me to where when you hear this conversation of let's just forgive the debts. What about people like you that already paid off your debt? Right. Exactly. I just didn't read the, the like what other contract can you not pay attention to sign your name on the line with all this crazy interest and then be like, oh, well, I didn't know I had to pay that back. Like, it doesn't make sense to me how people are yeah. like, I shouldn't have to pay for that because I'm not using my degree. Well, why did you go get a degree in, 
you know, medieval literature when there's no jobs for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's someone who has done the four years of college, paid out of pocket as I went mm -hmm. through my MBA, working full time, doing my MBA on nights and weekends. That was a sacrifice for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to buy what I wanted to buy because I chose to pay for my MBA. I didn't get to go out and have fun with my friends on a lot of Fridays and Saturdays or be with my family because I was in class or I was working on a group project or I was working more than full time to be able to afford that. So if it's all, well, I completely agree. This is a problem. Um, just saying, let's pay off all the debt. We need to start somewhere else. And I don't like that. I believe that that would absolutely devalue my degree. And, you know, kind of just puts a little uh, personally in all the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, now, did I learn everything that I needed to know? No, but I did always say that I was going to get my MBA. So it was just something important to me. And yes, there's, there's a lot that I picked up in my MBA program that I use today. In undergrad, I don't know. I mean, sure, I guess it helped a bit. And then as for financial planning, that was learned once I got into the business. I don't know. College didn't do any of that um, mm -hmm. besides some leadership skills in my MBA program um, and some behavioral and marketing intelligence. And that's more so for the entrepreneurial side, because a lot of financial advisors or financial planners don't have their own practices, so they don't need to be a business owner. Gotcha. That's a perfect segue to another thing I wanted to ask you. What <laughs> What was the, the driving force that said, no, you know what, I, I don't want to work for the financial planning companies. I don't want to just keep working for other people. What made you want to take that risk and go start your own thing? Uh, so a supportive divorce solutions when I was making the determination, because a lot of CDFAs are still underneath the umbrella of a financial in institution. I wanted complete anatomy so that I could market in any way that I wanted to and educate in any way I wanted to. So when you're being governed by a, a financial institution, you're extremely, extremely, extremely restricted in what you're allowed to say. And, and I don't believe it's for the greatest reasons. Um, of course, we don't want anyone lying about things or doing anything dishonest but it's the most heavily regulated industry in terms of what you can write and say. And I don't like that. Um, I wanted from day one and what I'm trying to do now is educate as many people as I can, regardless of their economic status or their background. Everyone deserves to have the opportunity to learn about finances and divorce. So um, I knew that I needed to be completely independent and start supportive divorces for the educational purposes. And then for the marketing purposes, I'm a very, um, you know, I, I have, I'm blessed to have a few skills and have been able to develop them more. I'm intelligent in the sense that I'm very good with the numbers. However, that I believe that is a lot of creativity. Um, and I've been creative since I was a young girl. When I say all those puzzle pieces that we need to find, we need to find all those puzzle pieces. Let's not have any missing. And it, you put them together into different pictures based on every individual client. Um, I want people to be able to feel what supportive divorce, supportive divorce solutions is like and what I'm like before they choose to call me when they're looking at my website, whatever the case may be. And if I'm being heavily regulated, the opposite side of the spectrum, how can I portray that? 
who I really am and what I really believe in. I'm, you're just restricted and I don't want support. I didn't want supportive divorce solutions to ever be restricted and how people were able to be taught and how it felt in my interactions with them. Gotcha. That all makes a lot of sense. And you touched on that you are creative and that you understand numbers. And I also know that you have a marketer, what I would say the second best freelance marketer, because I can't put them in front of me just for <laughs> ego reasons. Um, what made you want to hire um, a, an outside marketer um, being that you're working with Jeremiah Craig? Jeremiah is amazing. I've been having so much fun with Jeremiah. The reason why I wanted to hire Jeremiah, a couple different reasons. So um, the first time I actually met Jeremiah in person was when we had scheduled for him to video um, and spend a day with me a couple of months back so I could create some educational content to put out to the world on different platforms that they could use. And um, the day that I spent with Jeremiah, just really, really genuine person, um, answered all my questions, was able to educate me on, you know, how marketing works, how social marketing works, because I'm not very good with technology. And I love that I could learn from him. And he was able to give me examples and concepts that I understood. And while I knew that I wanted to get education out there, I didn't know how to do it or the best way to do it. Also, I need to be doing what I do best. I need to be with my clients, creating plans. And when I'm not with them, um, I need to be sitting behind a computer, finding the pieces of the puzzle, going through stacks of documents and, and getting all these puzzle pieces together. So while I really enjoy marketing, I needed a professional to do it for me. So Jeremiah is able to manage my social media. And also because he's the expert, he's able to say, hey, Jillian, this topic, um, it looks like people really want to hear about this. Do you think that you could explain it to people or whatever the case may be? And I'm like, yeah, I could totally do that. What are the people asking for? Because I can go on for a very long time. <laughs> I'm a chatty Cathy. Um, and I will. And I do. But um, I want people to come to me. What do you want? What do you need? What are the majority of people asking for and needing right now? Because I want to be able to help and educate. Absolutely. And I had uh, also hired Jeremiah for our wedding. Uh, we got married a couple months ago, and congratulations! Thank you. I, I don't need your services yet. No, well, no I don't divorce. Want you yet. To. I don't want you to need my services. <laughs> uh, but it, like, just kind of like you said, it was one of those like we knew we needed somebody to do photo and video, and it was a private setting. Um, and it was one of those we didn't really want a stranger that knew nothing about us to come in and take like three grand for taking photos. We're like, if we're going to pay somebody, let's pay somebody that knows what they're doing. And he was with us for like two days, I think. He, he came into town like the day before or whatever. And he has this ability to have a camera like dead in your face. And you're like, you don't even realize it. Like, oh, you're, no, like, oh. no. like you're like, wait a minute, you have to get the camera rigging. Oh, we are recording now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's the best. So he was really able to just capture all of those. Um, yeah, things that I didn't even remember because I didn't even know the camera was there. Me being genuine, me being me. And while that can be scary when you see for me, um, when I saw the content that was produced, and when I say scary, it was it really was like me authentic <laughs> me, but I know that that's what people deserve. 
Um, and I do want to show them that, but is it vulnerable and scary at first? Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't want to be selling something that isn't real. Right. You don't like it. Don't use it. Don't use me. Don't, don't get educated from me. You do. I have a lot more to offer for a very long time. Yeah, I think I, I noticed, uh, you know, because same to it, like we got the strangest looks when Jeremiah and I went to go pick up the food. We've got uh, some stuff at Giant Eagle and we're walking through and, you know, it's it's me walking around and you got this guy, you know, twice, almost twice my size. I'm a little dude. Jeremiah's like six feet tall or something, walking around with a camera, just filming me at the bakery counter and things like this. And people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Like they're <laughs> from a reality TV show type thing. And, you, you know, it's one of those, like like you said, it's one of those you get so comfortable around him and you know, yes. people that are good at what they do that the genuineness comes out and you, you start making fun of people. You're like, Oh yeah, we are on camera. But it's one of those, you're like, I'm the type of person, anything that I say, I'm not worried about being on film. Cause I'd say the same thing to you. If you heard me, you know, it's right. one of those being your genuine self on camera for people is awkward, I think. But if you're a genuine person after you realize, Oh, I, I don't need to look at the camera all the time. I could just look around and it'll work. Yeah everything kind of comes together. And when you are genuine, that's how you find out that you don't even know how to use a coffee maker. It's great. <laughs> you know, I do have my new coffee maker, thank goodness. And you know what, that just reminded me too, like the whole genuine being able to be yourself, um, that ties really well into what we were just discussing about how supportive divorce solutions is mine, will always be mine, and isn't, you know, underneath the umbrella. I can't be genuine and say what I want to say, even though it would be truthful and honest and I'm getting good, good advice because you're just not allowed to say things a certain way. And when you think about the financial industry in general, because obviously supportive divorce solutions is part of the financial industry, you think of the 60 year old white man in a suit talking to you, mm -hmm. not with you. Right. And that is what the average age is. It's a little bit lower. I think it's 58 now. It's trending up, unfortunately. That That is who a financial advisor is. It's a white man in a business suit that's getting older and older and older and older. Now, if that's who you want, that's great. But that kind of shows how the financial industry is marketed in general. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's not who my clients are. So why would I want supportive divorce solutions to ever look like that? Gotcha. Are you thinking ever, um, I believe it's just you and you have an assistant now. Is that right? Yes, I have an assistant. I contract with a lot of people too. So Jeremiah is my social media manager. Um, I contract a lot for, you know, branding specialists, website specialists, um, also paralegals, um, just to do some, you know, very, very simple inputs and whatnot. Again, you know, I only have so much time in a day and the most important time for me is to be with my clients or working on their plans. Gotcha. So, so yeah, my assistant's able to, you know, return phone calls when I need them to enter in basic information, uh, addresses and whatnot, you know, little things that I should not be doing. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking of um, scaling uh, your business at all? Or are you going to keep it just as you and keep contracting things out? Or is it going to be a supportive divorce solutions in every state? What are your ideas on that front? Um, I dream big and um, you're just dreaming until you're putting into action. So as time goes on, I've been contracting more. I went from just myself to contracting with certain people to hiring an assistant to 
um, getting paralegals on board. So I do plan to have supportive divorce solutions in every city in New York for the most part. After New York is conquered, I will be branching out um, throughout the United States. Yes, I truly believe that, you know, in 15 years, everyone will know what a certified divorce financial analyst is and people will be using a certified divorce financial analyst as part of their divorce team, which I think they should be now. And then they'll have their attorney and or mediator and hopefully a therapist, too, because I'm just really big on the mental health aspect side of it. And they'll look back and say, how did people ever get divorced without a financial person? Because 100 percent of divorces involve finances and not all of them you know if it's you know got married a year ago no kids no this you know you might not need a cdfa right mm -hmm. um pretty pretty basic um but for a lot of them it's the biggest financial transaction of, of their life and there's no going back you make a mistake and you buy a house that's too big and too expensive you sell it um even bigger than that is your divorce transaction you signed on the dotted line you figure out afterwards that you made a mistake. Too bad. Too bad. Gotcha. gotcha. And uh, back on the uh, education part, what is something um, before your divorce? Is there anything that people should be planning financial as a couple? Um, do, 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 do. So when you say that before your divorce, you mean, are, are you saying we want a divorce as a couple or are you saying we're a happy couple? What should we do so we don't get divorced? <laughs> Let's say both. Let's say as okay. a happy couple, um, what's something that a lot of couples financially don't think about? And then yeah. if you are thinking of a divorce, when's the right time to get a hold of somebody like you? Kind of a two part, break it up sure, however you want. Sure. Okay. So when you're a couple, you should have open communication about your finances. And I recommend doing that before you're even married. Mm -hmm. So just as you would find out whether your spouse wants your future spouse wants to have children or not and when it's just important with your finances. So is one a spender and one isn't, is it on a lot of luxury items? Is it not? How does everyone feel about that? A lot with finances and how people make their decisions, it's all emotional and it's ingrained in what you were taught by your parents or others that were very close to you. And that's how you're going to model your behaviors, which can be changed, but they are ingrained. So if you're a really big spender, for example, and you like your luxury cars and you like your luxury vacations and your lifestyle can afford that, meaning you make enough money to do that. So go right on ahead. But your spouse is the opposite. Even if the money is there to do it, if they don't believe in spending on luxury items and luxury vacations, they like to hoard it away in their retirement account, that's going to be an issue um, or it could be an issue. So if you're not matching up on um, what you do with your monies or in agreement, hey, you can have the luxury car. I couldn't give two you-know-whats about it. As long as we have the income and all our bases are covered, we have enough for retirement. We have our retirement plan with our financial planner. We have enough life insurance. So if something happens to one of us, that income is replaced. As long as all the bases are covered and everyone's comfortable, which you'll, which a great way to do that is making sure that you have a financial plan because the financial planner is kind of the third party. And, and a good one's going to read the room like, you know, <laughs> is this person agreeing with this person? Because that little, 
you know, sign on their face that says, says that they aren't. So it's really good to do through, through a third party. Um, so yeah, you want to have a lot of conversations and using a third party is a great way to see if everyone's on the same page. Because one of the main reasons why people get divorced is they didn't agree on their finances. So um, if you have gotten to the point where you have determined that divorce is going to be the best uh, route for you, it's time to move on to the next chapter of your life. Um, the more prepared you are, the better. Um, it depends what the situation is. Is it amicable? Which Keep in mind, amicable means you're getting along, but you are still getting divorced. So, you know, there's going to be most likely some points where you're not on the same page because you are getting a divorce. Um, or it could be the other end, you know, with some of my clients, they're in an extremely abusive relationship and other steps need to be um, taken and put in place before the divorce is started or the word divorce is mentioned for pure safety of themselves and their children. But in general, you're going to want to make sure that you have access um, and statements on all the bank accounts, all of the retirement accounts, anything you can get your hands on or already have your hands on, make copies of everything. And it's the official documents, but anything and everything you can. Make sure they're stored in a secure place, maybe in your mother's home, maybe in your friend's home. If you've already hired a professional, have them stored with them. Because a lot of times, all of a sudden, everything's missing. Or you start the divorce and you're asking for statements and they're saying, I'm not going to give those statements to you. So then you have to get an attorney to subpoena them. So you want to do your homework and get all of your ducks in a row. Um, and you want to make sure you have funds secured or can get access to funds, even if it's through your own credit card that you need to open so you can pay for your professionals. There's, um, there's a lot of steps that need to be taken. So if I'm at that point when I first speak with someone and start my consulting, I have a whole entire sheet and list that we go over on how to pay for divorce and how to prepare for divorce. Gotcha. And um, before I forget to touch on it, let's get a little bit away from the dread of divorce and everything. Sure. You are uh, a big part of the Rochester's Women Network, right? Yes, yes. Rochester Women's Network. We just had our 40th anniversary last year. That's exciting. Um, so tell us a little bit about what they do. And then you're also the vice president of revenue. What all does that uh, entail? Mm -hmm. Sure. So Rochester Women's Network was created because, you know, 40 years ago with women working, a lot of it was still a good old boys club. And there is still that in the financial industry. However, back to Rochester Women's Network, um, it was created by a few women so that they could get together and have a place to support each other, learn from each other, and um, you know, network with each other. So, for example, I like to network and network quite frequently with attorneys, mediators, and mental health therapists. There's a million other types of professions I network with as well. And women network and um, refer to each other. Um, fairly differently than men do. Um, I've seen that through different BNI groups, um, and then you know through Rochester Women's Network and other um, women-only networks that I belong to. Uh, by the way, Rochester Women's Network does have men that belong to it. As long as you support our mission um, and you know the growth professionally and personally of women, you can belong to it. We actually have um, one of my colleagues. And a good friend and someone that I've used for my business, he sits on the board with me. So 
Um, speaking of the board, I've been on the board of advisors for two years now, and I've been president of revenue development officially for 2019. My job as president of revenue development is to make sure that we are getting funding since we are a nonprofit so we can survive. We have two major events a year. We just got done with our spring symposium, which was a half day of learning with guest speakers, which was amazing. And then we have our W Awards where we recognize outstanding women in the community that have really done a lot for the community, both personally and professionally. So I ensure that we get sponsors for those events. And there's also some little things that we do um, where I get sponsorships for them. Um, every month we have networking events, we have programs, which are usually educational. We have our two major events. Um, we have small interest groups, which is very different than any other women's network, small interest groups. Um, can be, we have wine sigs, we call them sigs, small interest groups. So you get together once a month with your group to just enjoy wine. We have referral small interest groups. We have outdoors small interest groups. And you know what? If there's a small interest group that doesn't exist and you're part of RWN, you can create it. Nice. Yeah. And uh, as somebody in a networking uh, group, what are some um, tips that you have for both men and women to network with other professionals and Kind of use that network to help uh, achieve your own goals. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I hated networking when I first got into the industry because I was taught and told the traditional way, um, which is, you know, you, you go to the networking happy hour, make sure you talk to this type of person and this type of person. And if you need this type of person to network with, make sure you get them. What's your goal? Three business cards. You don't leave until you get three business cards. And, you know, <laughs> and I was like, this sounds terrible. And I tried it that way. And it was terrible. I wasn't being my authentic, genuine self. I had this like number in my head of business cards I was supposed to get. And where's the attorney that I need? Where's the property and casualty person? Where are all these people that I'm supposed to be networking with? And it was terrible. So the real way to network, um, if you can combine it with something that you like, uh, networking just happens. You can even do it through volunteering for organizations that aren't business business networking groups. So if you love animals and you're volunteering for a nonprofit um, that helps animals, you'll naturally network and you'll have fun doing it because you start talking about your careers and your personal lives and all that. Now, if it's more traditional networking, which you know you do need to do, I say when you walk into the room, have fun with it. Just go and say, I'm instead of saying, I need to meet this type of person or I need this many business cards, you know, look for people that are interesting. Look for people that you can just have a good, genuine conversation with. And it'll happen naturally. If you're being yourself and looking for people that are all other good people, it will really happen naturally. And um, I also say, if it's someone that you're connecting with, right on the spot, everyone has their phones with them. Get out your phone and connect with them through LinkedIn. Take a picture of your card or their card and text it to each other. Put it right in right there. Don't wait until the next day. Don't wait until the next night. You guys want to get coffee together? Okay. Who doesn't have their calendar on their phone? Great. Okay. My schedule next week. There you go. Phone number in, LinkedIn. You got it on the calendar. Just ask. If it's someone that's very busy, um, 
okay, can I have 10 minutes on the phone in two weeks, Monday at five? I'd really appreciate it. Then, you know, not, not take what you can get, but be mindful of everyone's time too, depending on who you're networking with. So I guess that'd be my best advice. Um, if you go with a buddy, it's a lot easier to go with a buddy. However, I would say you and your buddy should make a pact that once you're there for a few minutes, you're not allowed to talk to each other again. Because what will happen is you go in your corner and you talk mm -hmm. and you don't branch out. Right. So, yeah. And um, you kind of touched on, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the more modern way of networking of, you know, get this is my social media, this is my social media, things like that. Um, personally, the more I listen to you, I'm shocked that A, you don't already have one. B, maybe Jeremiah is screaming at you to do it. But have you thought about starting your own podcast? I have. I have. I have. Absolutely. And I said a few months ago, um, and I actually, I said I wanted to do it after I was on my first interview with David Battaglia. Uh, Perception of reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, both, we're both alumni of that show. It's a great show. Yes, it is. Yes, you're familiar with it. So after I did it, I was like, wow, this is really fun. And you know what? I've always said, I want to get more education out. How do I touch more people? How do I help more people? Uh, a podcast is the way to do it. So um, I could absolutely see a podcast in the future. Um, again, it'll just be, I need to figure out how to make it happen. And there's only 24 hours in a day. So if I can have someone helping me run it where I can basically just be talking and interviewing and, you know, thinking of what I want to say, that would be great. If I could pause time and just do the podcast all myself, I totally would, but I got to help my people. So um, I would say look out into the future for possibly a future podcast. Until then, I would love, 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 and I absolutely welcome being a guest on anyone's podcast that is out there, um, you know, please email me at jillianj at supportofdivorcesolutions.com. I have um, information on my website, supportofdivorcesolutions.com, and I can be contacted several ways through the website. So until then, I'm going to be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. And kind of like you, you mentioned where the hesitations are, there's just not enough time in the day. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of your meetings that are kind of a confidential nature and things like that, that you don't want, you know, broadcasted and everything. But just like you said, where if you're having a, say an hour meeting with somebody and you have a little bit of a takeaway of, oh, I never thought about this or that, you know, just pull out your phone and hit the voice note. Hey, all right, blah, 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 blah. And then right there is a segment for a podcast. It doesn't have to be like this one. That's usually about an hour long, or, you know, you could have short ones, you could have long ones, or like you said, when you're out at a convention, just walk up to somebody and, hey, I do a podcast. You do this. Let's have a quick 10-minute conversation and just get it recorded. <laughs> and there's an episode. That's true. I could be there. Then, so if I already dedicated an hour to networking that night, then I just put in there my 10-minute feature on my podcast. Oh, Jeremiah did get me. This would be the most similar, I guess, for right now. Um, I, I have been doing uh, live streaming on Facebook. So I guess I'm, I'm dipping my toe in further. Yeah. Are you, are you recording these Facebook lives? Yes, I'm recording them. Yes. I'm re so I've done two so far. Um, I was going to have my third one last Friday, but, uh, had a few 
quite a few um, urgent matters that needed to be taken care of while trying to leave for Savannah, Georgia early the next morning. So I wasn't able to fit it in, but I think I'm going to do one um, while I'm here. Maybe I'll do one when I'm on the beach later. Who knows? There you go. Every, every, just make everybody jealous. Just start panning around and say, look at the beach. Now let me tell you about everything. <laughs> well, it is an overdue vacation. Although, you know, you should take vacations whenever you think you need to take vacations. But I'm here with my mom, my dad, my sister, her long-term boyfriend, my dog, Sid, which I mentioned, and her dog, Boogie. And um, for my immediate family, this is the first time we've been away for more than three nights at a time since I was 13 years old. So in well nice. over two decades. So well, it's, well it's really special. And uh, where is your favorite place to vacation since vacation is important? Where's the best place you've ever vacationed? Oh, my goodness. Um, hmm. Favorite place. Oh, Savannah might end up being one of them. I'm loving Savannah right now. Outer Banks, I've gone to a lot. Cape Cod, I've been to a lot. Do, 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 do. I'm more of a relax, read some books. I've done Hawaii once, um, but I don't know that was my favorite place. Oh, gosh, you know, I'm not, I'm really not sure. I guess for right now, I would say that my favorite place, my favorite place a long time ago would have been Spain. Um, I was mostly in Granada and I spent a little bit time in Madrid. Nice. Do you speak Spanish? Un poco. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not nearly as much as I used to. When I was there, I was still um, somewhat fluent and I've lost it since I haven't spoken it since then. My sister does. Um, yeah, my sister does. So I, I guess if I tagged along with her somewhere, I'd be all right. Nice. And uh, let's start wrapping it down. How I like to end every interview. I didn't give you the heads up on this. So I hope you saw some of the content because you kind of get put on the spot with this beautiful thing that I call the digital soapbox which you get one minute to look into the camera and leave the viewers and the listeners on any note that you want, whether it's a promotion, whether it's inspiration, you just want to sing a song or tap dance, whatever you want to do for a minute, you get to end the interview on whatever tone that you want to end it on. And whenever you're ready, go ahead. All right. So this, uh, so this is going to be authentic me, which I like to project. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. I have one minute. It's ticking down. What I want to say is for anyone that is going through a divorce or thinking about a divorce or almost any of us at any given time have a friend or family member that's going through um, a divorce is that you do have options. You do have choices. You can be in control right now and of your future and you deserve to be supported and you deserve to have all the information. You deserve to be able to make informed decisions and you don't have to do it on your own. Um, I want you to either be the friend that someone can lean on or find a friend that you can lean on during this difficult, difficult time. And the best thing that you can do is take care of yourself, which a lot of people don't want to do at all when they're going through a divorce. But it's really, really important because you're going to be able to make clearer financial decisions and legal decisions that you should and deserve to have professionals as part of your team. So I say continue to educate yourself. If you're feeling rushed or someone is rushing you, your mediator, your attorney, or your soon-to-be ex-spouse, you're allowed to put on the brakes. You're allowed to reach out for help. You can take back the control. 
and move at a pace that you're comfortable with. And if you'd like to speak to me, if I can help you in any way, I do offer a 20 minute complimentary consultation. You can find me on supportivedivorcesolutions.com, my website, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. My phone number is 585-286-2484. I would love the opportunity to advocate, educate, and empower you through divorce or someone that you love through their divorce. I hope that you found this time with me to be fun and educational and um, there'll be more to come in the future, um, a lot more. And thank you so much for having me as a guest. This was a lot of fun. No problem. I thank you. But just to run that back, say that phone number again. 585-236-2484. There we go. You said 286 in your little monologue. Oh, my goodness. L oh, luckily, luckily, I had your website up. I and I was, looking at the, I was reading your website while you were talking. And I was like, wait a minute. Uh, that didn't follow what she just said. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, when you when you don't practice and you don't have it in front of you, mistakes can happen. But I'm okay <laughs> with that. I am a human being, everyone. I won't make mistakes because I do go through your plan several times. <laughs> Excellent, Jillian. Well, I thank you. And uh, just so you know, all of this content's going to JC. I already talked to him so that anything that I don't pull out, he's going to pull out, kind of make it awesome. a, little, a little battle of the marketers to see who could pull out the best clips from the interview. Oh gosh, I got you. Hey, I support that. You, that benefits me. You go right on to him and make it your best battle ever guys. Absolutely. And like, like I said, the whole idea behind these is we have the long form that is both audio and video. And then I try to take each one of those questions and then pull that into a clip to then kind of promote the long form video. So out of the, 30-ish questions that I asked you. I think the most I've ever, in a one hour interview, I got 50 clips out of somebody once, which is insane. But uh, as soon as those goes live, keep a lookout on your Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm on just about all the ones that you are. So keep a lookout and you'll be like, oh wait, that's me in the feed again. <laughs> awesome. Oh, and make and sure whoever does your website adds your Insta Instagram to the top bar. It's not up there. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? My, that's, that's been on my to do to get to my web developer for quite a long time. A, another thing where I have someone doing it for me, but I need to get some basic information. To them. Right. Not a problem. Gotta do it all. Gotta do it all. You, you wear 18,000 hats. I fully understand. I'm about to take off my marketer hat and put on my landscaper hat and just keep moving myself. So yes, you got it. You got it. You, you feel it. You feel it. The good the Enjoy your vacation. And thank you so much for spending an hour of your vacation with me. Yes. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you need more information about Jillian, you could check her out or ask me. I'd be happy to direct you to her. Or better yet, if you are looking to advertise anything, I am now accepting advertisers, independent advertisers for the podcast. Ads starting at $1 per episode. Give me a DM. Give me an email. Give me a call. See me on the street and just say, hey, I want to put an ad on that podcast. And we will talk and put together a plan that fits your business, fits your personality, fits whatever it is you want more people to know about. So let me know how I can help. And once again, this is Colin of Colin Can Help. Have a great day and I will see you 
soon, or at least you'll hear me next Friday.